Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Underrated. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Underrated Overlook Podcast. Hope you guys are having a great week. Uh, this show will be a little bit shorter today. Today, we're going to be definitely getting into um, what happened across the state as far as basketball this weekend, breaking down that action, and then getting into the NCAA tournament. Um, kind of our picks and things. We'll look at the brackets, see uh, which teams we got going to the Final Four. And then um, we'll get into NFL free agency, major moves, um, far in our favorite teams, and just around the league. So without further ado, Craig, you've seen some of the games this past weekend. Just what did you think, um, and what was your biggest just standouts from Friday to Saturday? So I was a little worried. I lost the first game. I thought Lake Oconee Academy was going to win the girls. Quinch County ended up winning, but I actually I went 14 of 17 on the pick, so ended up uh, – there were some surprises. I thought overall it was a good lineup of championship games, but there were a lot of mistakes. I think one of the biggest takeaways is the the shot clock still new. It's only two or three years. I thought some of these teams that had big leads could have taken advantage of it a little more, gotten shots 20, 25 seconds into it. We saw Galloway blow a big lead. So I think that's something, maybe some second-guessing from coaches, but overall it was a really entertaining lineup of championships. No, for sure. And I've seen some of the results from Friday. Um, really good game, I thought, between uh, Eagles Landing and uh, Kale. Uh, you know, kind of came down towards the end, but they were able to pull away. Just, you know, what's not to you from that game and just kind of the fight because they were down, and then they went on the run Eagles Landing. They got back in the game, held the lead, had all the momentum. Just what you thought about Kel's resilience and be able to come back and win their first state title. A hundred percent. I thought that was actually the best game of the week. Uh, Peyton Marshall was unbelievable. Kel's big man posting up, doing everything. He's such a presence. But man, Eagles landing, they could play above the rim. They had so many alley-oops. They passed the ball really well. But the hero in that Kel game was C.J. Brown. He was unbelievable. And he made two of the best plays back-to-back. He had this reverse kind of layup that was I mean you do that in the NBA or college basketball it's making the top 10 plays it was that good and then he goes down on the defensive end and just has one of the best blocks I've ever seen on a potential dunk that would have cut it to like four points so CJ Brown really closed it out with that energy I thought the boys were able to feed off the girls winning right before him it was a great atmosphere, and we said how huge it would be if Kel's able to sweep this year. They did it. I, I just think it's huge for them. Yeah, I think it is. Huge for their program, huge in what they want to accomplish in the future. Knocking on the door, getting so close in years prior, especially the girls. But I thought that, that game against um, Warner Robins, I thought it wasn't really a contest. I felt like um, Crystal Henderson was in a groove. Um, she played you know, marvelously in that one. Um, I just felt like they were just one step ahead of Warner Robins as well in their win. So shout out to the Kel uh, basketball program for winning both the boys and girls championships. Um, but yeah, there's another one that was Saturday. I know you didn't cover Saturday. I think Seth covered Saturday. But just what you thought about like just Wheeler, just like we said all season long, did, never suffered an in-state loss, um, won the ninth state title, I think three in the past four years. Um, just what stops you from that game? And then at any point, did Cherokee have a chance? That Cherokee played well early, but it was the three-point shooting from Wheeler that was just unreal. I mean, we've seen flashes of it earlier because we know what Isaiah Collier can do. We know what Arianton Page can do. But I think what Wheeler showed in the championship, they're clearly the best team in the state. It's not even close. Uh, the way all those guys were shooting, they looked like a complete team. I wish they could go on and 
maybe play in a national championship tournament. I know they said Coach Thompson said he wanted to. We'll see if that happens. They're sitting at like number 25 in the country right now. Wheeler's been invited before. We'll see. I just thought they looked outstanding. And the way they were knocking down shots, I think they shot like 70% in the first half. You just you can't uh, you can't match that. As well as Cherokee played, they did have a lot of um, they rebounded better than I thought. They their team that does make that extra pass thought they played valiant, valiantly, but in the end they lose to Wheeler for a fourth time this season. Yeah, it's tough, man. That's like I said, it's one of the better teams in the country. I think I just looked up SEC Sport uh, Sports Center next, and they're number twenty-one now. So they actually moved okay. up after their state title win. But be interested to see if they invite them, especially with the McDonald's All American game coming up at the end of the month um, in Houston, Texas, in March. So be interested to see if they get invited. But I mean, I think they should. As you said, I think they're the best team in the state. I mean, I think they've proven that, and you know, they've um, had a great run um, and winning their state title. But um, any other games that just stood out to you, as far as the weekend win and that you wanted to highlight on, obviously those are the ones that stood out to me, but just any other big results that, you know, really stood out to you? I thought the Brookwood game was very, very interesting, the way they won that. Um, I was talking a little bit about it yesterday. So right off the bat, Deanna Collins comes out, and she hits two straight buckets. So Brookwood's up 4 nothing early. When your best player comes out and gets two quick baskets, you think, okay, Brookwood's going to start clicking – uh, that's the best ideal start for them. Norcross, though, they won the first quarter yep. big. They were up 16-9. to nine. And then from there, just completely went ice cold. Uh, couldn't take advantage of some of the struggles that Brookwood was having. I think Deanna Collins did end up getting in foul trouble. And that was the thing I was saying. It's like, when the other team stars in foul trouble, you got to go after them. Yep. I know point. these coaches practice it, but it's like, Literally, I don't care if you get a charge. Drive in there and go after her. Uh, but they weren't able to do it, and then she was able to knock down free throws at the end. Uh, Osho stepped up. Wellersby stepped up. Uh, Brookwood didn't play their best game. Norcross didn't play their best game. But I thought Deanna Collins was clutched down the stretch. But there was something I saw all week, and a, another case of that was the Lovejoy-River Ridge game. Brianna Preston had three fouls in the first quarter. Mm. Their coach, uh, Coach King, didn't take her out. And then what happened in the second quarter? She picked up her fourth foul. Wow. And so if you think about it, if you put her on the bench with three fouls, yeah, your team might suffer from that, but you're going to get her back and she only has three fouls. Instead, you left her in. Now she has four fouls. Now she's on the bench with four fouls. So it's like if you just put her on the bench to begin with, would have been okay and once you have four fouls you just cannot play the same aggressive style defensively or anything yeah no i i I agree um a a great point by you uh craig i I didn't even know that she had that many fouls but as you mentioned that's the risk you take when you leave her in the game but as you just said if you go and you attack that four i mean that that's hard to play really you have to play almost not in your game the rest of the game if you got four fouls you know that's very very tough you know so um very interesting. Um, I thought it was, you know, some great basketball. I just thought, you know, just real quick, because I mentioned it in our last show, what, what did you think of River Ridge's um, lineup just as far as, you know, in that game? Because, like I said, I thought arguably in the state they had, like, one of the best, you know, just starting fives. Just what's out to you from them as far as, you know, in that game and how they top, uh, started five plate? Okay, what was her name? I think it, her last name started with a G. Uh, 
Gailey. Let me see. Matai Gale. Yeah. She was unbelievable. Uh, she scored her 2,000th career point, I think, in the second quarter. Ended up having a game-high 25 finish with 2,015. She really stepped up. We knew River Ridge had about five girls that can score. They were deep yep. where Manaya Foster, Brianna Preston for Lovejoy, they combined for 61 points against Brunswick. It's those two basically against a team where they all can score. Yep. But I thought um, – yeah, River Ridge, just they showed that their complete team, the way they closed out the game was pretty impressive, too. I think it was like a 16-0 run. Yeah. So, I mean, just a huge run to close out the game. And we saw that in a couple other ones, too. It, it was just so frustrating. I know for some of the other coaches, it's like you have a six-point lead or whatever. There's two minutes left. You go to the foul line, and you're getting offensive rebounds yeah. on these missed shots. It's like – the boxing out wasn't good enough overall, and then it's these loose balls. So many times also, it's like once you have a loose ball situation off a rebound, that's where these stars were picking up these fouls that were inconsequential. It's like you got to be more careful than that. You, you get a couple of those early in the game, next thing you know, you got three fouls, four fouls. Thought overall, I'm not knocking the coaching at all. I just think that there were games where – watching it it almost didn't look like these teams were even in their mid-season form they did have jitters and it looked like maybe they had been dominating the last couple rounds and once they got into a dogfight kind of panicked a little bit and lost track of the clock i also saw probably five times this weekend and it's my biggest pet peeve at the end of a quarter in basketball you have to get a shot off if it's the end of the first <laughs> quarter and there's three seconds left mm-hmm. throw up a shot if it's yeah. the end of the third quarter throw up a shot and right. too many times girls are still passing around not even looking at the basket it's just a missed opportunity so i don't know i think part of it's the shot clock being new yep. it's the just magnitude of the game but yep. overall i know there's a lot of second guessing some disappointing performances but these teams will be back. And there were a lot of young teams this year, too, that made it to the finals. No, I agree. It definitely was. Um, can't wait to see uh, next season, especially the youth um, team winning uh, last season um, or this past season with um, Justin Fields, um, Jessica Fields, yeah. his sister. Yeah, they had a bunch of freshmen and uh, sophomores, only one junior. So I thought that youth is only going to help them more. Same thing with um, when we mentioned uh, Pace Academy, right? Still a lot of youth on that team. I mean, you got Junior Kyle Green, but you got a lot of sophomores, young players. They're bringing that whole core unit back, and they're going to be able to have that and the championship experience they got from this season going into next year. So that's going to be critical. Great, great um, tournament run of um, playoff games. We enjoyed covering it um, the whole season. Um, it was a lot of fun. Now we're going to be on to pretty, pretty much spring sports. Um, we'll be talking more lacrosse and things like that, baseball and obviously soccer. So. That is basketball season in its whole. But we can move on to our college segment, talk some NCAA tournament. I'm going to share the screen with y'all, um, actually talk about um, the tournament bracket, um, and then just see what me and Craig think about it, and then just going forward far as, you know, who we think is going to win. All right, let's share the screen with you guys. All right, so ESPN Men's Tournament Challenge Bracket. You guys make sure to go make your bracket before Thursday. 
that is when the action in the, the uh, tournament kicks off. I'm not going to lie, Craig. This is my favorite time of the year. Love NCAA tournament basketball. To me, it doesn't get any better than that. Uh, it's the true parody, I think, of almost any sport you could say because any of these teams can win. There's no, you know, I mean, obviously there's betting, but there's no, like, anything rooted in one team winning. It's just, like, kids giving their all, going back and forth, and, you know, anybody could win. But just what do you think teams that didn't get in? Obviously, uh, UNC did not get in. They ended up losing to Virginia and the ACC, ACC tournament. They're not in. They said they're not going to play an NI tournament as well. So kind of disappointing for them, especially when they brought back four of their starters, R.J. Davis, Armando Baycott, Caleb Love, and others. Just real quick, your thoughts on them not making the tournament. Right, and then how far did they get last year? They were in the national title game. That's what I thought. Yeah. Yeah, that's kind of a, a lame move, in my opinion, to not play in the NIT. I know they were disappointed in the results, but it's like, I mean, you guys lost a bunch of games down the stretch. You were on the bubble. You didn't get in. You'd think it'd be a good way to just continue playing, dominate the NIT or whatever, but no, they just want to, I guess, sit home and watch everyone else play. So that I know that's disappointing. I, I'm sure the fans would have wanted to see them play. I mean, it's UNC basketball. Yeah. Every single game is a big deal for them. But I, I was surprised by that move. Um, we'll see, though. Um, bon voyage. It's like if, if you don't even <laughs> want to show up for the NIT, you didn't deserve to be in the in the tournament, in my opinion. Right. All right. Well, we'll leave it at that. I would definitely say a disappointing season for the Tar Heels, um, a historic program, but just couldn't get it done this year. Um, and they'll look ahead to next season. We'll see who returns and see who goes off into uh, the um, NBA. But, uh, yeah, let's keep it going. We're actually right now, guys, looking at the tournament. Um, a lot of good teams here. I was really surprised. I'm going to point this out first before we talk about the bracket. But I was actually shocked. You guys can see I'm going to toggle it with my mouse once I find it. Uh, where is Duke at? They're by Tennessee down low on the bottom left. Thanks. Thanks for that, Craig. But, yeah, I was kind of shocked that Duke was a 5C. They won their ACC tournament. They beat Virginia. Um, they obviously had a higher-ranking seed at 4. But, yeah, I was kind of shocked that Duke was a 5 seed. I thought they had a good season, very competitive in the ACC. I thought they would be maybe a 3 seed or something like that. But that kind of stood out to me. Um, kind of shocked that they were a 5 seed. Their second-round matchup is not going to be easy. Tennessee's a very good defensive team. They beat uh, Alabama earlier this year. What you know, One of the main reasons how good of defense they played, you know, kind of that Ramrod sticky defense um so that stood out to me but going back to the bracket I think the south I mean I got Alabama coat going to the final four um obviously Virginia will be tough they'll probably face off with them in the elite eight um that might be the toughest matchup just defensively and they have very um experienced guards but I don't really see anybody that give them too much trouble you could argue maybe Arizona um but I think you know for the most part I mean I think it's Alabama's tournament to lose out there in the um, South bracket. What do you think about the South bracket? It's first? a good bracket. I think Missouri's been an exciting team this year. Arizona's probably better. Uh, that Virginia Alabama game would be a really big one. Yeah. I, I do like Alabama in that one too. They're obviously having a dominant year, and we saw what they did just did in the SEC. Yeah, exactly. So that's what we think on the South bracket. Going on to the Midwest, um, you got Houston. Houston ended up losing their. Um, tournament this past uh weekend uh they lost to memphis who was the eighth seed um in the tournament this year um but number one houston is there uh you got number five miami they went out early in the quarterfinals in the acc tournament uh auburn got in at number nine 
Um, Xavier is number three. They're going to play Kennesaw State. That's going to be Friday in Greensboro. I think that's going to be a very intriguing matchup to watch out for. Uh, Texas A&M is number seven. going against Penn State. And then Texas is number two. So my quick standouts, I think keep your eye toggled. I think that Xavier, Kennesaw State, I'm putting that matchup on upset watch. Um, Kennesaw State had a phenomenal season in Atlantic 10. I think they have the team to make some noise. I think they were the only team to make it in Georgia to the um, NCAA tournament. I got them coming out, uh, not well, I won't say far, but I think they could upset Xavier out there in the first round. Um, and then I think Houston's another team. I mean, they've had a great year, but I'll put them on upset watch maybe in that, you know, um, round of 32. Um, who, you know, the winner of uh, Iowa Auburn. I think that's going to be interesting. I think they'll beat Northern Kentucky in the first matchup, but keep your eye out on number eight and number nine, Auburn. I think that could be an upset watch game for the Houston Cougars. Um, and then Texas. I think Texas has a really good team. Um, they made it all the way to the, uh, the, um, gosh, I'm losing, drawing a blank. The, the tournament, uh, the big 12 championship game. Um, I think they got a great team. Um, that's my team. I think that's going to probably come out of the Midwest and I think they're going to make a deep run. I think Texas, when you look at that, they're really battle tested. Yeah. They've had some tough losses, some blown leads, but I mean, they've been in so many top 10, top 25 matchups this season it would be interesting for them to square off with Texas A&M uh, in the second round. Wouldn't it be great, though, to see Kennesaw State win? We've seen that before. A team will make a run to their first ever tournament and then have a win or two and just really get that excitement going. And then once, I mean, you haven't been there before, things get tougher, you, you fall in the Elite Eight. We've seen it before, though, so we'll see. I think overall the Midwest Looks like that might have the most upsets and opportunity for for teams. I don't really have a clear favorite. I do like Texas a lot, and you can never count out Indiana. I haven't seen too much of Houston, but obviously uh, their record this season, they've won a ton of games. For sure. But Midwest, I think you got to put that bracket on upset alert for sure. We're going to go to West and then conclude with East, guys. West, um, Kansas, number one seed, um, had a really good season. Uh, they're going to need some help, though. I think their last couple of games, as we mentioned, we've covered Kansas a little bit this season. Um, when their star player, Jalen Wilson, um, is scoring the most, a lot of their games have resulted in losses. So they need to kind of, to find a way to have their other players kind of step up. They're Grady Dicks of the world. Um, their centers and things like that. They're going to need them to step up big in this tournament. It can't just be Jalen Wilson's show. If not, I don't think Kansas goes very far in the tournament. They're going to need all of their players to step up big, kind of contribute. And if Wilson you know, has an 8- or 10-point game, I think Kansas will prefer that. Or not even an 8-10-point game, but 15-point to 20-point game. I think they would prefer that and have their other kind of contributing uh, pieces helping out the team. But keeping it going, 8 uh, seed right now is Arkansas, Illinois, 5, St. Mary's, VCU. UConn, Iona, I kind of got that one circled as an upset. I think Rick Pitino's been doing a good job. Might be his last season there in Iona. I got that on upset alert. I think they can make some noise against UConn. Uh, TCU is going to play the winner of ASU in Nevada. We'll uh, have that in a little bit. Uh, Gonzaga and Grand Canyon. And then it'll be Northwestern, Boise State, and the UCLA in Asheville. So I think my top teams here, I think Kansas will make a good run this season. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if Iona ends up in... I think the elite uh, or the Sweet 16, I mean, if they win, they'll end up playing St. Mary or VCU. I think they can make some noise there. Um, but I got Kansas probably playing UCLA in the Elite Eight. <clears throat> Completely agree. Who do you like in that Arkansas-Illinois game? I'm going to go Arkansas. I think they're a little bit more balanced in the SEC, which was a, t- a tougher conference this year. 
Um, I know Illinois has a good basketball team, but I think Arkansas, I give them the edge. Yeah, it's a, it's a good first-round matchup. Yeah. Um, I do like UCLA. I, I mean, Kansas, it's hard to pick against them. They've been outstanding this year. They're always a team that makes a big run. But UCLA, they have a, a really good chance at making it to the, the final four out of that. For sure. Sorry about that. Hold on, guys. Okay, sorry about that, y'all. But, yes, keeping it going, on, moving on to the east. We got Purdue at the 1C with Texas Southern or FDU. They're going to play each other, I think, Wednesday or Thursday or Tuesday or Wednesday to kind of decide who goes. Um, they got Memphis, F- FAU for Atlantic University, Duke, Oral Roberts, Tennessee, Louisiana, Kentucky, Providence, Kansas State, Montana State, Michigan State, USC, and then Marquette, and then Vermont. Wouldn't be surprised if Kentucky makes a little bit of a run. They're kind of on the sleeper radar. Obviously, they're a six seed this year. Usually, you'll see them at a number two or number three or number one seed. Don't be surprised if they make a little bit of a run. Kentucky does. They're battle-tested. They have a good, some good experience coming back. Not very freshman-laden as they usually are. Um, and then I would say Duke. I think Duke is a very well-coached team. I wouldn't be shocked if they made a run. I think that second-round matchup between them and Tennessee will be really, really intriguing. Whoever comes from that, I wouldn't be surprised if they make a deep playoff run. Um, and then... Yeah, that's, those are my biggest standouts. I'm going with Tennessee out of that. But I do think uh, the East probably looks the, the strongest, in my opinion. Maybe not the eventual national championship, but in terms of the Sweet 16, the Elite Eight, that's going to be really entertaining. You can never count out a team like Michigan State. They've pulled off big upsets. Yep. Uh, Marquette's always <laughs> legit. Yeah, Kentucky comes in as an intriguing team. Kansas State's had some big wins, but I really like uh, Tennessee and what they've done this year. You mentioned some of their size. They got a small point guard that can get to the basket and score. They got a deep bench. Uh, yeah. I think just them squaring up with Alabama, who is legit this year, multiple times. I think they come in. They know that they can compete with anyone, and it's all going to come down to that Duke Tennessee. If Tennessee comes out of that one they're really going to get hot and can make a run for sure. Yeah, we've seen um, we've seen Tennessee make some runs in the in the past, so I wouldn't be surprised if they're able to do it again. But that's what we got far as the bracket. Did you want to look at women's? Yeah, we can look at it real quick. Okay, let's see. All right. One sec, guys. We'll break down women's as well. All right, so we're going to be on NCAA with it, guys. Um, I know right now that they are favored. We'll go with um, the left side, obviously, first, and then we'll go to the other ones. Um, but, yeah, it's in Greenville. I think South Carolina, they're actually favored um, to come out and to win. Gosh, that's annoying. Um, they're actually favored to win. I think they are favored. I think they're 28% chance of winning it all, uh, the highest of anybody. Um, out there, they got South Florida, Marquette. Oklahoma, Portland, uh, UCLA, Sacramento State, Creighton, um, and then I think Mississippi State or Illinois, and then Notre Dame or Southern Utah, Arizona, West Virginia, and then Maryland, Holly Cross. I got South Carolina coming out of that. South Carolina, very athletic, 
Notre Dame usually has some size. That's not a matchup that would come until later on. But, yeah, South Carolina has definitely positioned themselves as the favorite this season. So I like them, like the Gamecocks. They've been great the last few seasons, just seem to have all the star power coming out of the SEC, which in terms of the girls and the boys, I think the girls in the SEC, they've been outstanding year after year after year. Where This year it's like we're seeing Alabama come to prominence. We're seeing Tennessee step up, but South Carolina has been that program on the girls' side. For sure. And then at the Greenville's two bracket, got Indiana number one. They've had a phenomenal season. Um, and then you got Oklahoma State and Miami, Washington State, and then uh, Florida Gulf Coast, Villanova and Cleveland State, Michigan, UNLV, LSU, Hawaii, NC State, Princeton, and then Utah and Gardner-Webb. Um, out there, I mean, I think this is one that's kind of up for grabs, but I'm going to go LSU. Yep. I think LSU can make a deep run. They've had a good team all season. They've obviously played um, South Carolina earlier. They did lose by, you know, big margins, but I think they're battle-tested at this point in the season. I can see them making a deep run, maybe them playing Indiana in the Elite Eight um, as far as, you know, who decides to go to Final Four. Yeah, that'll be exciting. So that's on Saturday, is that right? Yes. Sweet. Yeah, LSU stands out for sure. Yeah. Yeah, I think LSU will be a good team to watch for in that one. And then looking at some of the other ones, um, we'll go to Seattle 4 with Sanford, um, Ole Miss and Gonzaga, the 8-9 and nine seed. Louisville is the 5, and then Drake is the 12 seed. Texas, East Carolina, um, Colorado and Middle Tennessee, um, Duke and Iona, and then uh, Florida State and Georgia and Iowa and Southern Southeastern LA. I'm gonna go Iowa. Have Clayton Clark, I think one of the best players in the country. Um, her and Aaliyah Boston for South Carolina are up for uh, best player of the year. Um, she has I think 20 uh, triple doubles for her career. I think she's at eight or nine this season. I think they're gonna make a good playoff run this year. I think they're gonna make it all the way out to the Final Four. Um, it'll be interesting to see. I think they might play Duke in the Sweet 16. I think that'll be an intriguing matchup between those two programs. But, yeah, I got Iowa um, making a deep playoff run. Yeah, that that quadrant is stacked. Yeah. Baylor and UConn in the second round, I mean, that is – that'll be a really interesting bracket for sure. No, for sure. I mean, that is going to be really intriguing. What do you think about Virginia Tech? They'll play Chattanooga. Who's that? Oh, this bracket. Okay, I didn't even look. Yeah, Virginia Tech's really high this year. Um, yeah, I mean, I think, you know, for the most part, um, I think they have a really good team. I mean, they spaced the four well. They got really, you know, really good fundamentals. They feed the post. Um, I think they can potentially make a good run. But, yeah, I think, you know, that'll be intriguing to see, you know, who kind of comes out in the Seattle 3 um, bracket, but yeah, I think coming down that matchup would be interesting if it happens between them and UConn. UConn has obviously knows historic women's girls basketball program. I think that matchup there would be something special. That's right. Yeah. Sorry, I was looking at the other bracket, but yeah, a potential Baylor UConn doesn't get better than that in the second round, and then I think Louisville is a team that they always seem to have just incredible talent, fast players, physical proud program obviously boys and girls but i mean really they've had some big time recruits uh, from the state of georgia going to louisville year in year out so i'm excited about that i mean there are just so many big time programs in this women's bracket yukon ohio state tennessee all in the same bracket i think it'll be fun to watch and 
obviously my mind goes to who has the most Georgia players. I like looking at it from that <laughs> from that aspect. Uh, For sure. Seeing the Peach State products uh, shine in the big game. So I'll definitely be tuned into this Friday and Saturday. Yeah, I think it'll be intriguing, guys. So that's what we think about as far as just the bracket goes. Stop sharing the screen. Um, that's what we got as far as uh, what to watch for. We think it'll be really intriguing. Stay tuned for that. It'll be, I think, a, a phenomenal weekend. We might be a little bit busy. I think we got our big lakeside event this weekend, yep, right? Yeah, they'll be on Saturday. Yeah, they'll be on Saturday. So we'll be a little bit busy, but, uh, of course, you know, we'll have our phones out. We'll be watching some coverage um, on our phone and be reporting back to you guys Tuesday. But, um, again, we're going to wrap the show a little bit early today, but we're going to get into some NFL, uh, share some of the news, um, kind of share my screen again with you guys to just show – all the news and the major happenings um, going on as far as the NFL. Um, so we're going to pull that up really quick, y'all, and then just kind of break that down. Yeah, it looks like the Bengals have been a little busy too. How do you feel about that? Yeah, man. Um, <laughs> I'm not going to lie to you. I'm a little nervous. Um, our safety position, we lost two of our best safeties. Um, I mean, what we lost Von Bell for, three years, $22 million. We paid him three years, $18 million. I mean, I would have liked, if I'm being honest, I would have liked to keep at least one of those players out of him and Jesse Bates. Of course, Jesse Bates, I think, is one of the top safeties in the game. Got to go get your bag. Can't play that sport forever. Um, so, I mean, I'm happy for him. Most fans would be like, bitter. oh, why he leave? Man, go get your bread. Go get your money. So, I'm not mad. Um, I'm actually glad he went to Atlanta over uh, Cleveland because he was kind of rumored to Cleveland. So, I'm actually happy about that. But I'm not going to lie to you. I'm a little nervous. That means next year that... Daxton Hill, Dax Hill is going to have to step up. The the safety we drafted from Michigan, who played a little bit of everything last year. He played some corner, played some slot, played some safety. Hopefully that kind of versatility will help him. Um, so he's going to have to be ready. I think he's going to be a starter probably week one. Um, and then we're going to have to figure out what we're going to do as far as our next safety. Are we going to get this, um, a veteran safety, a John Johnson Jr., a Taylor Rapp from the Rams, or are we going to let our young guys, Tyson Anderson, who we drafted in the fifth round last year, uh, kind of step up big, or will they try to look at that position again in the draft? So as you mentioned, Craig, these are some of the things you have to end up doing um, when, you, when you are a contending team. You have to let some guys go um, that want the big money and then some guys you keep. You know, And then you have to, like you said, draft well. You have to have some younger guys step up big in big spots and then make some noise for you. So, so I think you, that's where we're at. You guys held on to Michael Thomas, though. Yeah, he's kind of our special teams guy. We only signed him to a one-year deal. We held him to Jermaine Pratt, which is a big one. Pratt. He was our linebacker, three signed him to a three-year deal, I think $21 million. So that was big. Uh, we definitely needed to get him back, but yeah, we lost our two safeties. That's tough because I mean your defense was no joke last year. Yeah, I mean the last few years has been great. They've been at the helm, so now you're going to have young guys stepping up. So you could see early, it might be a little difficult. But if Luan Rumo can get them playing at the high level like he had, you know our two great safeties, I mean you know he's probably going to be a top head coaching candidate next season. But the good thing is we have all of our coaches who are returning back. That's true, and <clears throat> what I've seen the last week or two, there's a lot of teams that are shaping their their cap space right now it's not just the the big moves uh they're kind of preparing themselves for an even busier next few weeks no for sure um and real quick and i'm gonna address your comment jimmy definitely appreciate you tuning into the show today um but what do you think about this move i gotta share this with you guys um Kansas City Chiefs, they signed Jawan Taylor to a four-year, $80 million deal. I think Orlando Browns, at this point, is probably going to end up walking. Um, just what do you think about it? $60 million in guaranteed money. I mean, that's a big splash uh, for the Kansas City Chiefs. What do you think about that move? I think it signals exactly what you said with the Orlando Brown going elsewhere. Uh, thought he was great last year, Jawan Taylor, for the, the Jaguars. And 
he'll fit into this offensive system. I mean, Kansas City's unique. We'll see how he how he handles it. But they obviously liked him. They gave him a great deal long term, and it looks like yeah, Orlando Brown is going to move on elsewhere for sure. And then. Other news, uh, Jimmy G uh, signed with the Raiders, uh, three-year, I think $67 million deal, about $30 million guaranteed. That was a big splash for them. I thought they would maybe go, maybe go in the draft and get a quarterback. Maybe they still will. Maybe they won't go first round. But just what do you think about that move for them and kind of choosing, I won't say choosing him, but reuniting him with Josh McDaniels and having him kind of over Derek Carr, who's now a New Orleans Saint? It's a good opportunity for him. <clears throat> Uh, it was going to be interesting to see where he ends up, but it's like, okay, you lose Derek Carr, you bring in Garoppolo. It's hard to judge. Like, is that a vast improvement? Is it? <laughs> yeah, it is. Is it kind of a minor improvement? How different are they going to look? I mean, he obviously, I mean, he's a solid starter. He's coming off an injury, uh, but I think the problems in Las Vegas, um, it's, it's more than just one guy. They, but maybe uh, having him there, he'll obviously have to step up and be the leader. But we'll see how they, how they can contend. I'm curious to see how big of an upgrade that's going to be. What's, you know, what kind of going to be the difference maker for them? I think that's really intriguing. And I want to bring up, obviously, the Falcons. Jimmy Cash watching. He said Falcons rise up. They were in their bag yesterday. But just what do you think of some of their moves? Um, obviously, they saw, you know, Taylor Heineke, who will be the presumptive backup quarterback, two-year, $20 million deal. Uh, they, they signed our safety, Jesse Bates, four years, 60-plus million. Um, and then they signed also a former Saints linebacker, Caden Ellis. Um, so, um, And then they signed also the same Saints defensive lineman, uh, David Aminata. So what do you think about some of those moves? Oh, yeah, and they got John New Smith from the Patriots. So what do you think about some of those moves the Falcons made? Do you think they'll kind of help them? I won't say contend, but, you know, kind of get back into playing you know, competitive football and yeah, it's really been across the board. They also re-signed Chris Limscrum. You look at these moves, though, they aren't going out and getting like a big-name running back, a big-name receiver. It's more like across the board. They're getting a backup quarterback who can potentially start. They're getting more depth at tight end. They're getting more depth at various positions, and I think that's a luxury they obviously have right now, and it's a good time to have it because uh, – He's talking about the bag. I mean, a lot of people are getting paid big time right now. Some teams are scrambling, but it seems like they're taking a more um, distributed approach to how they're trying to retool the roster uh, with guys that, yeah, they're going to land in Atlanta. It's it's not necessarily an experiment. It's more of an opportunity for them to come there, uh, play out the next two, three years, see what happens there, see if they can find a home. But I think overall, they're definitely making moves to strengthen the roster. No, for yeah. sure. I think they added some good death pieces. It'll see how it all kind of comes together for them um, and what other moves they make for us in the draft and, you know, obviously, you know, um, other free agency moves as well. But um, some other major news, man, we got to talk about, obviously, pertaining to the draft and then another big move from the Rams. Um, we'll start with the draft, but the Carolina Panthers uh, got the number one overall pick. They traded D.J. Moore to – uh, Chicago, they now have the number nine, I think number 81 pick, so they can get another good death piece, you know, at the defensive position for the Bears, or if they want to go um, get another weapon for Justin Fields, they could. But what do you think about that move and kind of everyone's kind of saying, signaling that the Panthers are going to take Cedar Shaw number one instead of Bryce Young? Ooh, that would be interesting. I like what the Panthers have done in terms of youth 
the last few seasons. Uh, they impressed me three years ago when they used all eight of the draft picks on the defensive side of the ball. I think last season they started pretty bad, but then finished kind of strong. They had some solid wins and looked like a team that might be on the right track. So them having the number one pick, all, all these young guys, the competition's there. It's kind of a, a new chapter in a sense, but I just think their team has proven they're active and they have a youth-oriented approach to, to building their roster. Yeah, I ain't gonna lie. I, I think I would not be surprised if the Panthers were in contention of winning the division next year. Well, that sounds crazy to say, but they have a really good defense. I know it's like, well, well why would you say that? They traded away all their good pieces, they traded away Christian McCaffrey, but they got younger and they added more depth. And I think despite giving up so much to get that number one overall pick, um, I think, you know, whoever they're going to draft, I think he's going to be put in a pretty good position. Um, obviously, Coach Rick is a really good coach. Um, I think they're going to be in position to make some noise in the NFC South, which is a little bit weaker um, this year and then most years. So I think I won't be surprised if they're contending for a division title next season. Um, I think they're going to have a good good team, good depth team. And then I think wherever they get number one overall, which is Stroud, I think he'll help take them, you know, potentially maybe even a wild card break. Yeah, and then what were you said they have the number one pick and the number nine? No, number nine, uh, Chicago has and number 81. I think they got this okay. number one pick and then they got like another pick in the later round. Interesting. Well, that's a lot of leverage when you're holding on to that number one pick. Yeah. And I just feel like they're going to be active in trades like they always are. Yep. And they, it's like when you rely on these young players in their rookie contracts, you have more just uh, flexibility in in determining what positions are solidified if you're like okay we we really are good at the db position we got four guys that are in this point in their contract and we think they can stay here for two to three years that's a luxury some teams don't have when you're just relying on the one guy when you have three potential guys that you feel good about and you can keep working them and literally just see how they perform and maybe move one in and one out. That's the approach, and that's why they were good down the stretch last year. No, for sure. When everyone else was banged up and dealing with all these things, here they come. Yeah, it's a good point, man. It's a good point. Um, but, yeah, that's the major news. I can't wait for the draft. It's about a month away. Um, it'll be really interesting to see how these teams go and what they decide to do. Um, I think it's going to be really intriguing. But other news, uh, Jalen Ramsey was traded to the Dolphins uh, this past weekend. Um, they traded, uh, I think, a tight end, Hunter Long, and then a third-round pick. For him, so what do you think about him kind of going to Miami? I think the AFC uh, AFC East is going to be really intriguing next year. I think it's going to be a tough division. I mean, obviously New England's there, um, but I mean, they picked up Tua Tagovailoa's um, fifth-year option with twenty-two million dollars. Um, he got those weapons that he has out there with uh, Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle. Now you add a really good secondary. Now you add um, Jalen Ramsey along with Xavier Howard. He's a really good cornerback as well. Um, and then, I mean, obviously the Bills will probably still have something to say, but the Jets, if they, you know, they're obviously trying to get all these Packer <clears> players. Randall Cobb has kind of been in the mix, rumored. Alan Lazard, you know, then if Aaron Rodgers go there, I think that's going to be an intriguing division. Yes, it is. Uh, Miami was a problem for Buffalo last year. They're obviously trying to win now by bringing in Jalen Ramsey. How many teams has he played for now? Three. Four, three or four? Yeah, he played. He started with Jacksonville, got traded to the Rams, played there for some years, and then now he's back with Miami, so three. Okay. Yeah, no, I think they have a really good shot next year, but I think that move shows they're trying to win in the immediate future. They like yeah. what they are able to do last year. 
thought they kind of blew it in the playoffs down the stretch with those botched fourth down calls. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, add a great defensive player like that to lock up some of these top receivers that makes their defense a lot lot better. And he's obviously a, a proven, exciting player. Yeah, I think it'll come down to them, the health of Tua Tagovailoa. Um, if he's healthy, I think they can make a run. Um, if he's not and it's you know health-oriented again, um, I think it's tough. I think you could see even Miami move on. Uh, from Tua. They, yeah, I mean, they've been again. making big moves, though. Tyreek yeah. Hill, Jalen Ramsey. It's yeah. like they're trying to win. Exactly, and then they're not going to want to keep, you know, waiting, waiting, waiting. They'll make another move again next season. So that's my thoughts on that. But um, any other major free agency moves that just stood out to you, trades or anything? Ooh. I mean, the Aaron Rodgers one's interesting. We'll stick on topic just because it's in the same division. I mean, Aaron Rodgers in the AFC now, we know – that's going to dominate the narrative, dominate the headlines. For sure. What's he going to do? Uh, be interesting just to see what the Jets do. I mean, they, they cleared up the cap space for him. They brought him in. But how aggressive are they going to be? Are they going to have to restructure some other contracts? Will they part ways with veterans to try to build pieces around him and tailor the offense to him? What's going to go down? How how are the Jets fans going to receive uh Obviously, they're intrigued, at least, with the news. But, I mean, how are they going to stand behind them if uh, they come out and don't necessarily play well next season? We'll I mean, see. I mean, yeah, you're right. I mean, that's a good Where's point. Where's the patience level? Yeah, and they're not really a patient group. You saw the quick no. return on Zach Wilson. and I mean, no offense, he's playing terrible. But second overall pick, I mean, they expect you to play at a high optimal level. But, you know, obviously, I think Rodgers will. Um, they got some good talent there. They get those pieces that they added. The only thing with the Jets, though, it made me think about is kind of the Rams and their situation right now. Because I think the Rams are going to be in definite rebuild mode now. Um, it sucks for Aaron Donald. Obviously, got his ring. But I could see the Jets potentially, you know, getting there, trying to earn a ring. And then in a couple years, it, they're, they're not, them not being the same team. And the only reason I say that is because they're getting a quarterback who's an all-time great. But he's, al- he's always kind of the last, what, three to four seasons he's flirted with retirement. I could see him flirting with retirement again, probably giving them a good two, three years and then he's probably gone. So then at that point, you're still going to have to rebuild it back up. But is that the the risk you're willing to take as the Rams did it, won their title, now they're kind of back in that rebuild mode. Um, it'll be interesting to see. Obviously, the Jets won them. We'll see if they can um, you know, get them and keep them. But I think it wouldn't be surprised in a couple of years you see the Jets kind of in that same kind of category that the Rams are in right now. Yeah, the Jets were legit last year. We'll see how much better they can be. I just think the AFC is going to be really tough like always, and that's a – really challenging division for them next year. I mean, they might be fighting for a wild card spot, and yeah. we know that's going to be really difficult. No, I agree. I mean, it'll obviously, NFL next year once again be interesting. It always is, so, um, you know, we'll see who comes out. Um, and the Philly lost a couple of players. It'll be interesting to see real quick if they can get back C.J. Gardner-Johnson. Um, but, yeah, they lost Javon Hargrave to the 49ers. Marcus Epps went to the Raiders. Um, so they lost some key pieces. I think J.C. Kelsey coming back for probably his final season. Um, as he just mentioned on his social media. So um, that's all I got for you guys. My last question, what's going to happen with Lamar Jackson? I don't know. That's a good question, Craig. Um, I think we're seeing all these moves and that same question just hanging. Graham says the Jets are talking to him. Interesting. Um, I I would say the Jets, I'd say that would be kind of their backup plan if they can't get Rodgers would be Lamar. Um, which is not a bad backup plan by any stretch of imagination. But 
I think for the most part, unless it's like maybe the Jets, I think he's going to be a Raven. And then didn't I just see their, the Browns are restructuring part of Deshaun's they deal? Did. They yeah, did. Yeah, so that's interesting too. I mean, he's got to end up somewhere. <laughs> no, he does. I mean, and I hate to say it, I don't, I don't see teams going to offer him a fully guaranteed deal. You see the Falcons were out early. Um, you see the Panthers are out. Obviously now they're going to get a quarterback at number one overall. Um, a team that needs a quarterback. Houston is probably going to go ahead and get a quarterback from the draft. Again, I wouldn't be surprised if it's Bryce Young. I think they're number two overall. Um, so it'll be one of those two, I think. I definitely think quarterbacks are going to go top two in the draft this this season. Um, but I, I I think he's going to stay Raven. Jimmy says to Atlanta, we'll see. We will see. <laughs> I, I don't see it. I don't think Atlanta makes that move. I think they're out on, on Lamar. It will be a good move, though. But I don't see Atlanta doing it. I think Atlanta's going to build with Ritter and, you know, see what he can give them. Um, they may get another quarterback in this draft, but, nah, I don't see it. I don't think Arthur Blaine's going to do that. Well, they definitely have the cap space compared to other teams. We'll see, though. I just – with Lamar, obviously you want him to go somewhere and win. I just feel like he comes in there. He's had tons of success at Baltimore where it's like if you go to a team that – might not have the pieces year one, who's going to get the blame? Is it going to be on Lamar or is it going to be on the coach? And then in that situation, now the coach has gone after one year and he's trying to – so it's like it's got to be a long-term fit for, for Lamar wherever he ends up where the coach, him – because I'm not saying you have to redo your offensive scheme, but you do need to take advantage of Lamar's strengths. I mean, I agree, definitely. You've got to take advantage of strength, and you got to build a team around them. And um, I hate to say it, I know I'm going to get Christmas for this, but I think the Ravens are the best one. They just hired, I think, a phenomenal offensive mind in Todd Munkin. We saw that those Georgia offenses looked. That's going to be the offensive coordinator uh, going into next season. I think he's going to use his talents well. I think they just got to get some other pieces around them as far as just the receiver position. I think he'll really take off. He already showed you what he can do. He can play at an MVP-type level. Um, but like I said, he just wants that fully guaranteed deal. So, I see him in I see him in the Baltimore Raven uniform one more year, and then after that, I think you know maybe he'll explore the free agency market. Yeah, we'll see. It'll be fun. Yeah, definitely. But guys, this one's a short one. That's all we got for you guys today. Um, not too many major news as we kind of hit the kind of low of I high school. Um, it'll be spring sports like across um, soccer and obviously baseball, and then obviously we'll be hitting baseball season pretty soon here. So we'll get that into our show a little bit as well. Talk about that up until we start getting into training camp and draft and all the topics as far as that and obviously um we'll be talking about the tournament and we're talking we'll be talking about some of the nba action as well but we appreciate you tuning in thanks jimmy cash for always being a loyal supporter make sure you guys tune in every tuesday at noon we are here live um on youtube and on twitch so hope you guys enjoy and um you guys have a great rest of the week we'll see you guys next week Peace. rise up <laughs>